Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Agency Nation Radio. This is episode number 19. My name is Ryan Hanley, and uh, my co-host is Marty Agather. Marty, what's going on, man? Nothing. Howdy, gang. Uh, we got, we're going to bang on a drum that we've banged on uh, for all week, basically. Incessantly. Yeah, all week, and that is Google Compare. We actually did a show two weeks ago about how their results were not kind of living up to what everyone thought. And, it, you know, that episode was really talking about how you have to have expectations in tech. And uh, this is an industry that moves at its own pace and you have to be willing to play inside of that. And then all of a sudden on uh, Monday night, I was it was late Monday that this story broke. I was traveling from uh, Albany, where I live, Albany, New York, to Columbus, Ohio, for a workshop that I was giving and uh, the news broke by Insurance Journal that Google Compare, Google's online financial product comparison platform, uh, one of those products was auto insurance. The entire platform was closing. And there's been a lot of speculation on why this is happening. Um, and we, I did a live show on Periscope uh, the next day, Wednesday, to talk a little bit about it. Uh, and then um, we, Marty and I said, well, geez, we can't. We can't get on the podcast this week and not talk about about a little bit more about what we've learned because literally every day you're finding out a little bit more about what happened. You're getting more perspectives, and we just thought that it would be prudent to, I want to say, take a very realistic, a very pragmatic view as to what this means and what the actual impact to our industry is. Uh, so, Marty, why, why don't you jump in first? I, I'm I'm interested in your take. Um, Obviously, I've had my hands in this all week, so I'm interested to hear what you think. Sure. Um, I think I think for the most part, um, the pundits have have done a pretty good job. The 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 articles, the the mainstream press have done a pretty good job of of identifying what the issues are. Um, I think I think Google came in with high expectations. They anticipated that 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 this would be an easy easy nut to crack um, because people are online shopping. They obviously have access to the traffic figures that show them how many searches are going on. And, and we know that that's a boatload. What they underestimated was the market's readiness to embrace number one, embrace um, the click to buy the, the buy online. Most people understand that insurance is a fairly complicated process. Although I think far too many of them don't have an, an appreciation for for actually how complicated it actually is, but that's that's a topic for another broadcast. So as we as we said in our last uh, discussion on this, their performance was not up to snuff. Uh, they were getting about a, a tenth of the traffic that they thought they would. They had anticipated by now a, a year in, give or take, um, that they would be in two dozen states. They were only in four. You know, the technical challenges are are daunting. Um, you know, I've said this before. This is one of my main soapboxes. Insurance companies have had the benefit of a translator called a professional insurance agent to stand in between them and all their wacky back office stuff and the consumer who doesn't know nor really probably doesn't care about um, how or why they do things. I was listening to a phone call earlier today um, from a consumer who was incensed that he couldn't get a stated value policy on his 2006 
pickup truck. I'm sorry. Uh, I get it that you don't understand the insurance companies, but insurance companies have reasons for what they do, right? So, where did so that was his, part. Where did go, he get go. stated value from? I have no idea. He called one of our clients, and uh, he was just as caustic as could be. And he, he, you know, he, he sort of intimated that he was smarter than the CSR that was talking on the phone, and he was an insurance expert. It was, it was, I, you know, actually, maybe we should play it. Uh, because actually the CSR uh, had grace under fire, right? So well, let's so, uh, let's let's not play it in terms of uh, for no, this. no, no. I'm not saying that yeah. right now. I'm saying in a future episode. Yeah, I think in a future episode, I, I want to do a future episode where we basically just play these calls and people can hear what we're talking about. I think I think the two of us, um, we we have a. Listening to these phone calls have given us like an inside knowledge that, and, and I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to be uh, anything more than just uh, kind of present this in the way that it actually is. Um, we have an inside track on what's going on in this industry in terms of how business is actually being done. That is absolutely unreal. And you know, for those listening later on the podcast. We have the live uh, a live show going here. I, I always broadcast these podcast recordings on Periscope, and you know, it's it's so interesting. I know some of the people that are on the call that are watching uh, live, and I meet people at conferences all the time. And everybody, I think, wants to believe that they're doing a really good job, but I am not kidding. And Marty, back me up on this when we say about eighty five percent of the calls handled in our industry are handled poorly, 75 to 85%. It, it's a overwhelming majority of the calls that come in are handled just oddly for a business that so prides itself on customer service. Right. We're a little off topic and I'm going to, I'm, I want to go, I want to go right back to our, yeah, to draw our topic, us back which, in, draw us back. Yeah. In. Which is, which is, which is Google. That'll be a future episode. Which is yeah, which is Google, and and I'm going to come at this because you know me, I'm I'm a pretty direct guy. I want you to respond to this, Ryan. I think that one of Google's biggest reasons that they are backing away from the insurance industry is because they were a nice word would be cocky. A a more legitimate word might be they were, um, I don't even know what the word is. They assumed that they were better than all of the professionals in this industry. And I think they got schooled. Come back at me. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, so let me break down. This is what I believe. I do not have any inside knowledge other than, well, I have some inside knowledge, but I have, you know, mostly just people I talked to, people who worked with them and had some meetings with them. This is what I think happened. They had incredible success in the UK. The UK is a different insurance culture than we have. Intrinsically, to its core, the culture is different. Not better or worse, just different. And they did very well in that environment. They, I think, because they are Google, because they are so tech, because when an outsider looks at the insurance industry, it appalls them at how atrocious our technology is. I mean, our technology is... 1999 at best in many cases you know what i mean like in some i i wouldn't be surprised if there were carriers that were still using punch cards with floor-wide 
mainframes in their basement, and that's how they were tracking policy information. I mean, that's how bad it is in some cases. And I'm and I'm not banging on our industry to say like right or wrong. I'm just saying I think it's very legitimate for an outsider to look at our technology as an industry and say, "Wow, how do they operate today?" So a company like Google, who is so tech, who is so you know, I mean, I mean, this is you know, the tech company of tech companies, right? They connect everything. It's all about easy integration and, and, uh, all, and all this stuff. And they say, geez, we, we did so well in the UK. Why wouldn't it work in America? It's just a bigger pool of people, right? It, we go from, you know, 10 million people in the UK to, to 300 million in the US. It's just we more do, We do talk funny over here. Yeah, yeah, we just talk weird. So, I think there was some hubris. I think there was some lack of due diligence into the technology challenges. I mean, ask any agency management system how hard it is to, to connect into carriers, right? Uh, to connect into the different systems, to do upgrade. I mean, all this stuff. So I think they thought it was going to be easier than it was. I also think they thought that because they are Google, people would immediately trust them. They would immediately transition the trust they feel for their search results to their insurance platform. So so let me just, I'm going to take two minutes to explain that. So we have over, when, we, when Google first came out, we didn't trust the search results, right? It was like a joke, like, oh, you know, you know, anybody can put something on the internet. And, you know, it was like this big joke that you would search the internet and, you know, you never knew what you found. You could f- find things that were complete lies. Well, what Google has done to our society over time has changed it to where you don't even question Google anymore. You believe that what Google has done has found the honest to goodness, best answer, most truthful answer in the search results that they place, right? At least to the best of their ability. And we all trust that they're this mega company who is, who is really trying to do this well. You can say that you question it, but really you believe it. And your actions probably would, would play out that you trust Google to a high degree in their search results. They were assuming that without doing any type of real advertising, any type of trust building or relationship building, with the American public, that that trust you have for their search would immediately transition over to their insurance platform. And I think there were some challenges there. And the last challenge, so this isn't just one thing, but I think this is the last piece. The last piece is that they were constantly under the scrutiny of every everywhere where Google Compare Auto Insurance was available, Google was losing ad money. So the money that the Google Compare auto insurance platform brought in had to be equal to or more than the amount of ad revenue that Google can get from that same position. Because for those that don't know, Google Compare auto insurance basically took up the third ad position for a given keyword term or search phrase. So you would search and you'd get two paid ads and then you'd get the Google Compare auto insurance ad. And... It just was a series of things. I mean, again, a lot of this is speculation on my part, but I think that they probably weren't, that was probably a, a net loss for them. I think the technology was challenging. I think the insurance consumers were a challenge. And uh, finding agents who had the technology capability to handle an online lead and close that business was a challenge, which which we see every single day in our work, Marty. And um, I think that's what led ultimately to Google closing and reevaluating i am far from saying they're gone forever yeah and and hubris is absolutely the right word they sort of came to the table and said we're big we're google you'll do business with us and 
there were a lot of insurance companies who didn't necessarily be believe that they were the benign force for good that they believe themselves to be in this situation. So insurance companies were rightly skeptical to sit on the sideline because they didn't know how it was going to fold out. They didn't know where Google was going. So I think we've we've uh, gone there. I know we've got uh, we've got another another opportunity to talk about this next week. Uh, do you want to give the people a little bit of uh, insight into that? Yeah. So we have a uh, live webinar going on. It's it's going to be a really fantastic event. Again, I am uh, I am concerned about the technology challenges that we will face because with all li any live event, even if we were in person, right? There's always things that come up. Um, so I'm sure it won't be the smoothest and most perfect live event that ever happened in the history of the world. That being said, it is going to be incredible. It is going to be incredible. And um, I can give you guys the link. If you listen to this, which most of the people who uh, are listening to this probably will not catch the live event by the time that this episode gets out. Uh, so what I would say is head over to Agency Nation we're going to have the replay, and uh, what I will do is, if you go to Agency Nation and go to agencynation.com forward slash Google Compare Live Event. So agencynation.com forward slash Google Compare Live Event, you will find uh, the replay of this event and be able to watch it, because by the time this episode comes out, the event will already happened. For those listening live over here on Periscope, um, you can go to Crowdcast dot io crowdcast crowdcast dot io forward slash google compare and you'll get there and you can register and it's next wednesday there was a there was a question that came in is there anywhere to watch these things on a desktop and that would be at agencynation.com that's our that's our website where these hosted podcasts and where any of these uh will be available oh you mean uh watch the periscope you can watch periscope on a desktop yeah, you can watch Periscope on a desktop. You you can't. Um, there are, there's limited functionality, but you can watch a Periscope, a live uh, a live video, or a live Periscope on a desktop if you want. So uh, yeah, you can always you can always watch them live on your desktop. And uh, cool. So Marty, we got. Hey, hold it, hold it. I'm I am now going rogue. Oh, this, great. Yeah, this is this is this is live radio, baby. All right, so. Ryan, as you know, I am uh, I am a uh, fan of uh, the military history, right? And so um, I want to know uh, there's there's a there's a, a term that's out there, and I'm not going to use the whole term. Our listeners are going to have to impute what a, what the actual thing is, but there is a term out there called a cluster. Does that ring a bell? Um. I've heard the term before, but I'm, I don't know if it translate. my definition of the term translates to military. So why don't you let me, let me in on the behind the scenes here. Sure. So, so essentially where that comes from in the military is it was a uh, sort of a derogatory term for an ambush. So you would set up uh, in the jungle in uh, Vietnam. And oh, so you would say that I was clustered earlier this week by uh, a particular group. Of That's exactly right. That's exactly okay. right. That's that a little inside mean. baseball for you guys, but now I have a complete understanding of what the term means. That's exactly right. Okay. So that's what this segment, I'm, I'm proposing that we do this new segment uh, in the thing, and this is the Marty Ambush. Okay, okay. great. So I'm coming I'm coming direct at you with something that you have no idea oh, well, this is fun. where I'm going. Okay? I'm into this. This is fun. Right. The Marty Ambush. Okay. Okay. 
So um, you have a very distinct um, feeling about this. I do. We've got a we've got a joint, a very close friend, and of course he's a uh, close friend. Uh, I can't think of his name. I'm having a drawn a blank here. Help me out. Um, Illinois, Jason Cass. Jason You're Cass. Very close friend. You can't yeah, very close friend. Name. I can't remember. Very this close is friend. Age, this, is, this, is age, this is age taking place. Jason Cass has a very uh, a very distinct comment on this as well. I was talking to an agency earlier this week, and they presented what I believe is a fairly common attitude uh, in an insurance agency, and it it was in in respect to business that was coming into the shop. And what they said was, we don't write monoline accounts. Come back to me. I think it's stupid. I think it's, I think it's a silly, selfish, self-oriented, uh, uh, what's the opposite of abundance when you're, when you're thinking small? I think it's a very small-minded mentality. And here I'm going to tell you why. And I know the, the argument, so... Everyone who's listening to this, don't start piling up. You don't understand. I got margin. I got blah, blah, blah. Here's the deal. I'm going to give you the case in point. When you are a new producer, you will write absolutely anything that comes across your desk. When I was a second year in the business, a friend of a friend who was 26 years old, uh, yes. So on Periscope, the answer, that's assuming the account (laughs) won't grow. Damn straight. Yes. That is the thing. So here's my here's my here's my case in point, my my real life example of this. Second year in the business, 26-year-old guy, friend of a friend, gets referred into me, comes in. He's only got renter's insurance, right? He just moved to the area. No problem. Doesn't even have a car yet. No problem. Write his renter's insurance. I make $19 on the policy. It takes what? An hour and a half of my time. You made $19 or 19 was the gross commission. I have no idea. I made, I cashed it. It was 19 extra dollars in my paycheck because of that account. So 19 bucks. So um, six months later, he buys a car. A year and a half later, he's married, has a wife. Now two cars on a renter's policy. They're staying in the same place. A year after that, he buys a house and starts a business and which then adds an, another auto, adds a worker's comp because he's got some employees and by the time I left the agency, by the time I left the agency, this account was making me on average 2,500 bucks a year, right? So like, depending on how many employees he had and the health insurance and he'd take the car off and whatever. I mean, these accounts are always changing, but let's say 22 to $2,500 a year from this account that I would not have gotten if I didn't write that stupid renter's policy, right? I wrote a renter's policy that lost me money and I ultimately gained a $2,200 a year annuity. And it, it just, to me, it is, it just, I get it. I completely get it. But it is not, you're not looking at the bigger picture. Because you know what that guy does if you don't write that policy? He goes, independent agents are, suck. They don't write, they don't write renter's policies. That's what they say. That's what they say. This is what, this is what we have to get as an industry is that, our actions impact every other single person in the industry. And if, you're, if you really are thinking selfishly about this, you want the guy down the road or the woman down the road to do an amazing job because that's the only way that the people that she bumps into or he bumps into are going to think that you're amazing because we're not different to them. We're not independent to them. We are independent insurance agents. We're all the same thing. And I know that we're not, but... What I'm saying is to the consumer, to the average consumer, 
we are a group, State Farm is a group, Allstate is a group, Geico is a group. These are the groupings. It's not the Jones agency versus the Crawford agency. It's independent agents. And uh, I just think it's a very small-minded way to operate. And again, I'm not talking about taking on bad risks. You know, if the guy had had, you know, you know, if the guy had a horrible record and I just saw being a frontline underwriter, which we're supposed to be, if I saw that this was going to be a really terrible risk for me, you know, he's a drug addict or something or something, you know, something that you don't want in your agency, well, then no, you don't write that policy. But this guy was regular guy, had a good job, and he just needed a renter's policy. And I, I think it's a, it's a crazy mentality. Crazy. So there, there's old school and then there's old school, right? And I think this is an old school attitude. I think back in the day, so as I'm, uh, I'm preparing for uh, a talk and I'm thinking of analogies and one of the, you know, there, there's this huge issue that we're dealing with as an industry where we are moving from being the most opaque industry in the world. Nobody knew what the hell we did. I'm sorry. We just did our own shtick and we had the key. You know, we knew the magic secret words. We could talk to the underwriters. We could do all that stuff. The consumer couldn't. We are now in an amazingly transparent world. And as much as we want to believe that we can keep our business opaque so that we can control all that stuff, we can't. And if the consumer wants to know about an umbrella insurance policy right now, they are going to find an agent who is willing to help them with an umbrella policy. Yeah. Dude, so I've been saying this for about six years. This was in the very first presentation that I ever gave to insurance agents. One of the very first lines, we are no longer the gatekeepers of our expertise. We are no longer the gatekeepers of our expertise. I was a CIC for two or three years, I can't even remember now. And absolutely everything that I learned in the CIC could have been extracted from the internet for free. Now, granted, the CIC is a course, it takes you through it, it helps you learn it. I mean, there's incredible value in going through the coursework and becoming a CIC, you know, it's a test, so you have to own the information. But if you wanted to know something, there was nothing in that course that can't be found online for free. So why do we pretend like by boxing our information in and being, it's just, again, it's a very, it's a very small world, small-minded, self-oriented philosophy, and it's that compartmentalized thinking. It's that it's that me and my kingdom first mentality that it's why we keep losing market share. That's one of the main reasons we keep losing market share. And and if you're sitting out there going, "Not me, Ryan. My agency's fine," I would. I, you're in. Then you're in maybe the ten percent of agencies that are growing. It's just this is the way it is. We, we, we've, we've walled ourselves off, we've become untransparent, we've become an unapproachable, and, and we're wondering why things aren't the way they used to be. And um, not easy to change, but you know, we have to look in the mirror for these things. It's, there's no one doing this to us, right? We are doing it to ourselves. Amen, amen. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I without patting myself too hard on the back, I think that was fairly successful. The question is, should we actually get into our second topic or was this our second topic? No, I think that was our second topic. I, I actually think it's great. I, I'd actually want to hold because the topic that we were going to talk about will be too long and I want to keep the show in a 25 to 30 minute range. It gives people a good, um, 
It gives people something to listen to while they're driving and a, a good blast of information without overwhelming their day. So I, I think I think we're good right where we are, man. I, I feel pretty good about it. You know, I, I yeah, I feel good. I like the I like the pop in. I, I like the uh, Marty's Marty's cluster or whatever, whatever we end up calling that segment. That's a good segment. Perfect. Agatha out. <laughs> hey, I want to say thank you to everybody. Um, thank you everyone who showed up live on Periscope. If you want to listen to this live on Periscope, just connect with me. Um, I push it through my Periscope, periscope.tv forward slash Ryan Hanley underscore com. And, uh, you can connect with me. And then, uh, when we go live, you get notified and, uh, you can come in and watch the show and comment. We had some great comments today and, um, appreciate everyone who showed up there. Appreciate everyone listens, uh, wherever you listen to the podcast. If you're enjoying the show, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher, leave us a rating and review. That's how we know that you like it. Otherwise, come back again. It is always our pleasure to be here. Marty, myself, we are out.